have arrived in Skivland. I'm your host, Alan McDonnell. I want everyone to feel at home here in Skivland, so today's guest is my wife, Teresa. Teresa is sitting across from me right now at our dining room table. She's facing the remodeled kitchen that nearly killed me. Male writers often write about wives. I have a new book coming out, and the wife is on half the pages. How much of this wife is fact, and how much of her is fiction? Well, how about we spend some time with the real thing, and then you be the judge? Okay, Teresa, here we are. We're at a kitchen table. Is there anything significant about the, tonight's date? Very much so. We were married 22 years ago on September 14th. And did you think you would stick it out this long? I never thought about it, actually, to be honest. Well, let me, let me ask you this way. Like, if 22 years ago at the, what was the name of the church? Uh, Blessed Sacrament. Uh, and where was it? On Sunset. Boulevard in Hollywood? Yes. I happened to end up there this evening, by the way. The way Waze took me was up Cherokee, straight to that church. And did you have a little sunset. moment? Did you have a moment when you approached well, the church? Well, because I realized it was the anniversary, and then I kind of looked at the church. But also I have a lot of memory there because of my mom going there for so many years. Right. Well, let's say it was 22 years ago and you were at the church. Yeah. If you could look forward till today, <laughs> would you have gone through with it? <laughs> Would I have gone through with it? At this point, yeah, but maybe five years ago I would have said no. Really? Why, why five, what happened five years ago? Well, I don't know if it was exactly five years ago, but I don't know if you've noticed you're not the easiest person to live with. I was going to ask you, how easy am I to live with? You're very difficult. Why do you think that is? Because you're very controlling and very, you have your quirks. Do you think, uh, how much of it do you think and is? My, the, my quirks get on your quirks' nerves. And what are your quirks? My quirks are forgetfulness and being spacey and forgetful. Basically, that's it. That's, that's it? I, other than that, I really don't have any quirks. But even with those quirks, I mean, I feel, uh, <laughs> I mean, you do pretty well with your quirks, don't you think? I mean. I wish I could improve on them. Yeah. I've actually made an effort to improve on them. But I don't mean the quirks. I mean, the quirks are what they are. I mean, I don't think you're going to improve your quirks. Your quirks are going to be there. I mean, like, the way you operate in society. I mean, you're doing pretty well. I'm doing okay. I mean, you're doing okay. I, I, I would say, be better if I could articulate what I'm doing. I feel it in a lot of respects. Like, you're more of a, uh, what do they call it, like a fully realized person than I am. Really? Yeah. You like in what? what respects? Well, a lot of it is around career. A lot of it is around like you're you're in a job that is something that you're really good at. That you have kind of a <clears throat> that you started out young, <clears throat> wanting to do, and you were in this industry and you managed to stay in this industry your entire career. You've thrived. You've worked steadily. You've been promoted, and you're in a place right now where it seems like you're pretty. You know, you you get a lot of gratification from your work and your work. I do. And you work as a creative But work. it's kind of grown into that. Yeah. But, yeah, I have stuck it out, but I don't feel like I had any other options. But I don't think I even had any desire for any other options, which is very interesting. What, uh, so, you want to talk about how you became what you are? <laughs> no, I don't. You know? How can I talk about that? Because I don't know how it happened. It, it just, it, uh, it, 
somehow it came together. I don't, not really sure, to be honest with you. No? What about the steps? Was, was there a step-by-step -step kind of thing? Like, you went to call, you went to school for... Yeah, but I, I, I don't really feel I went to school because I feel like at that time I was too disconnected and I was not really present. How did you write your term paper? I paid for someone to do it. Okay, and, and then you went to New York? Yeah, I went to New York on a whim, but then that I could barely, I, you know, I had difficulty getting jobs. And I got fired a lot. No kidding. Yeah, because I was getting... Space, you were... Yeah. Was the conduct was was partying all night. What, when were you in New York? What's so great about New York? Uh, it was 1981. And I don't know. I think it was really an exciting time. There was a lot of fun things going on and a lot of creativity. And... It just felt like... Did you go to clubs? Yeah. Like where? Like every night. Where did you go? Um, area and uh, Danceteria and Peppermint Lounge and Mud Club and... Um, oh, what was that one in the East Village? Pyramid. Pyramid. And um, then there was a lot of bars, the Holiday Cocktail Lounge and the Red Bar and... I can't even remember all the bars. It was a lot of really great bars, though. And where did you live? I lived in um, the East Village. So no wonder you couldn't get a job. No, I got jobs, but then I got fired. Oh, well, I mean, no wonder you couldn't keep a job. Yeah, because I was partying all night. Yeah. When, uh, when we got together, what do you think is so compatible? I mean, we are, we are, we have been married for 22 years. What is fucking compatible about us? Well, we both like to travel, so there's definitely a compatibility with that. But I think that I find you very interesting. I don't know why. I don't know exactly why, but I do. Do you think it's because we're like, I mean, I know you're much, much younger than me, like, like 16 to 18 months younger than me. But do you think it's because we have like a lot of the same cultural background? Oh, definitely. And, what, what, like, and I think also upbringing. So, in, in like what? we come from a similar class of, uh, you know, in our parents are in a similar class, and then also even similar religious upbringing. And I think we share a lot of the same music interests. Somehow, your style of sarcasm and intelligence is appealing to me. Is it because of the Mexican style of like, like teasing? Like, like Maybe it's something to do with Mexican and you having an affinity for Mexicans and kind of growing up in a, in a neighborhood where there were a lot of Mexicans. And you seem to really gravitate toward them. I mean, you did marry one they were nicer earlier to me. on. They were nicer to me than white people. You know, so I have, I've been around a lot of white people in my life, and I don't see any way that you could believe in white supremacy. You know, I've, I've watched these people very closely over many years. These whites? And I don't see how. I've, I've watched these whites, and I don't see how there's a basis for white supremacy. It's, it's a weird idea that I think someone will latch on to. But um, getting back to me being impossible to live with, how much of it do you think that's because I'm a writer, and how much of it is just because of my basic neuroses, or are those separable to you? No, I think they go together. I think that you're kind of very internal in a lot of ways but also you're very irritable and impatient which I think it's because you're thinking all the time and 
maybe you're really hard on yourself. I don't really know what creates it. But maybe you also have like a mild personality disorder. How mild? It's a possibility. How mild do you think There's it is? There's a possibility that there could be a personality disorder. Well, it's, it has to be pretty mild because I think you're very high functioning in the world, even though I know you see yourself at a low point right now. But, but you have had a lot of accomplishments and achievements yourself considering your background. What's so bad about my background? Well, you dropped out of college and you were heavily into drug and alcohol abuse and you were depressive and tried to kill yourself and um yeah but it, what negatives what oh, negatives yeah. do you have about <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm glad you don't see those as negatives that's <laughs> well, I mean, I all, all i have i mean it's all i've got it's your badge of honor yeah basically uh when you met me though like i i feel that like i kind of like <laughs> faked you out because i was making a lot of money and i feel that you had this sense that i had a, a like a I, I had a different kind of ambition than I have. Is that, was there a truth to that? I did have that belief. And I actually thought that I was marrying someone who finally was going to match what was happening in my life. Because I believe it or not, I mean, believe it or not, you know for a fact that I was actually earning pretty decently. But you were making more than I was by quite a bit at that time. Yeah. What happened? But, well, after you left Hus Hustler, I think left. Well, actually, got kicked out, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe your story that it's because of the roast, but I think that's partially what happened, but I also think the other part of it is he saw that he could pay someone literally half of what he was paying you, and the magazine was going down, so the content wasn't as important yeah. to him. And whatever. I feel it's the... Maybe he had one business decision that was worse than firing me, but there, there were not two. He didn't have two worse decisions than firing me. I'll tell you that right now. Although I feel that for my life, I'm probably better off. Even though like been scraping whatever financially, I you know the, the, there's the books. Like I, I don't know if I would have written any books if I was still there. I don't know probably I not. I don't think you would have the time, and also I think you were too exhausted in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because it was. I mean, wasn't it kind of a heavy workload for you? Yeah, it was. You know. It, it was a constant, you know, you, you were constantly, you had those, like, it was very similar to your workload. Yeah. And I think that's one of the... And then also you were kind of running a dictatorship to a degree, I understand. I was a bit of a dictator. Yeah. I feel that's, there's, there's no sense to having a democracy at work. Yeah. You know, if you know what's going but on. But I feel that that dictatorship you've tried to bring into our home. Well, the thing is, like, <laughs> things go better when I'm the dictator. I don't know if I agree with that. Look at our kitchen. Well, I actually had some... So, but that was you being the dictator, though. That was, we'll yeah, but you were trying remodel. to dictate not against the remodel and, and really came down on me really hard about it, and it actually looks really beautiful. Did Rob mention it, Rob Zabrucki, when he came no, on? No, no, he didn't. Come on. Maybe he did. He did, thing, didn't like, he? It drove me out of my mind, though. Like I, We did this remodel, the kitchen, took down a wall, all this, all this. It's, it looks fabulous. Like, it's amazing. So you've warmed up to the wall. Oh well, yeah, down. yeah, but at the, at the same time, like Jesus' mom it. was living here, it was there was a guy in here every day pounding shit with the music playing really loud, like and bad terrible music. taste in terrible music. Terrible, terrible taste. And then I was trying to land this job with these weed guys who were starting this weed site. I was trying to convince them that I was like the smartest editorial person that they could possibly find in all of Los Angeles, maybe the East Coast as I well. I think you're actually good at convincing people of that. Well, it's because it's true. I am the best editorial person you can get if you're going to start a site. You know? I agree. Yeah. But it, but it was hard to like to maintain 
my uh well, because of your personality disorder, you're easily disrupted. You ha you need a lot of silence. Well, yeah, when you got a jackhammer and you got like a 90-year-old woman, you got it was a little distracting. So I nearly went, I nearly lost my mind. I like, saw it. Yeah, you saw it? You yeah. saw me swinging from the tree with yeah. the with rope? <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. But we got what we wanted. Uh, let me see. What about, what about... Um, well, how did you do it? How did you do in high school? How did I do in high school? Yeah, how did you do? I didn't go. I barely went to high school. You know, you know here's the thing, Teresa. I don't know if uh, you want to reveal the name of the company you work for, but Teresa's kind of a big deal in where she works, and she works for a fashion company. She's like the head of design. It's a big company, many multi-million dollars uh, a year sales. There's stores all over this country that are open because she instigated the opening of these stores and brought in a specialist to yes. open the stores. Yes. Uh, she's, you know, kind of at the top of the game. She's she's uh, very creative and, and then also the deadlines are insane that she has, you know, and she's able to meet them all. She has a staff of uh, maybe a dozen, just a number of people that she also manages the whole time. And, and how that happened is it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy that from the background and then like what your so-called quirks are that you somehow that you're able to produce and have the kind of energy and focus that makes all that happen so anyway i, I admire you for that that's one Thank of the things i admire you for a lot of things this you know it's good if you're going to be married for a long time and you're a very difficult person to live with it's very good to admire things about the person who's living with you I mean, it's not like she's the easiest person either, but that's not the point. The point is these admirable traits. I find myself to be very easy to live with. Well, yeah. I think I'm really easygoing. Well, I'm, I'm easy I don't going make to a big deal about things. I see people like other people that we know out in the world, and they have very low tolerance for a lot of just simple household tasks. I don't pick those things apart. Like, I don't really think about that stuff. I think I'm pretty easy to live with. You are, but here's the thing. Like, if you decide you want to rip down a wall and put up a, you know... Like, but that like was only one wall. It only happened once, and it was something that was driving me over the edge, and I, I finally had the money to do it, and I felt like it would really enhance our life. And Make I the, believe it has. I love this kitchen. No, I'm very happy with People it. People love it. Oh, you know, it's, it's an amazing house. Like, that's, that's the other thing. Like, where we came from, we live in this amazing house. It's kind of like... A, it's kind of like... A, it's 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 like, it's like a romantic comedy without the comedy, is it? Is it? It's kind of. I think there's some comedy. There's a lot of comedy yeah. actually, but yeah. it's sort of a really far-fetched story that we've ended up where we are. True. The whole combo. But I think it was also the timing. We got very lucky with the timing. We well, bought at the right time. We got really lucky with the, the years that we were kind of born. Right. We were a really lucky generation. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I agree with the speaker that we heard tonight because he was actually saying that he prefers to be from our generation and I he's very close to our age I agree with him I don't I wouldn't want to be from this generation but I feel like my mom used to say that so maybe every generation feels that way but I just feel like musically we got very lucky yeah musically the music particular. today I don't know Maybe well, I haven't heard the right things. Well, you hear things. You know, this is the when I used to have jobs, it was fantastic because I always worked with younger people, and then they would bring me the music that was happening. Yeah. And there's and been I, a couple things. I would hear worked. all kinds of yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
But the, like the latest thing was the, the Alpha Band, the Beta Band. The, yeah. The Beta Band. And the Beta Band is like, you know, now 20 years ago. Right. But, I, but stuff is like current right now. Like I just went to get my cryotherapy and they were playing this music and it was like, I, I don't even know what it is. It's unbearable to listen to and they all seem to be loving it and they're all, you know, in their 20s or something yeah. that work there. Who knows? And I was like, turn that off. It's horrible. Hmm. Let me ask you this. You know, I'm doing this. Do you think anyone's going to be interested in anything we've just said? I have no idea. But I don't, I don't think that's why you're doing it. Doing what? Are you doing it because you're, you're hoping that people will be interested? Or are you doing it just because you don't know what the fuck else to do? No, I, hope, I, want, I would like people to be interested. But uh, I, I guess I want to talk to you about my, my fabulous books. Because you've actually read two of them, haven't you? Yes, I have. But I have not read the third one, and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to read it, to be honest. And because I tried to read it, as you recall. I think I read the first chapter, maybe not even the full chapter. Maybe it was like five pages, and broke down hysterically and started crying and could not move forward because it was very real and really evoked you know, memories of things that are very painful for me real life situations that both of us have gone through and experienced. Did, uh, did you talk to anyone about it? No, I don't think so. You didn't talk to a therapist about it? I don't remember if I did or not. You don't did I say that I did? You, you came to me with a whole bullet pointed presentation oh, from her. From, okay, KC? Who's KC? Think about it. Yes. I don't want yes. to say her name, yeah. but, um, I don't remember. How do you like that? Think about it. I don't have this. See, that's another problem. I don't have a very good memory. I don't know if I need to do something about that because I really don't remember. Would you refresh my memory? I don't remember either. But I I probably did talk to her about it. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you just came to me with this bullet point. No, I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that? Uh Uh-uh. I talked to her about it. You wouldn't say, hey, look, uh, KC says this. and. No. No. I would never do that. No. Mm -mm. So you can't... Can you... Even though you weren't able to read it, do you think you're able to to, uh, to uh, like recommend this book for someone else to read? I prob- I think that I mean from what I read, it was beautiful, but it's too painful for me. But I think it's incredibly well written, and um, the other two books I probably read them, I don't know, in a couple days. And I'm not a big reader. I wish I was. I like to read, but I just feel it too exhausted. I don't have the time for it right now. What do you like to do? Work. And do <laughs> yoga. <laughs> and what's, what feels good about the work? It's creative. I like being creative. I, like, I, I love all the people I work with, and they're all incredibly creative. I don't know. It feels good to be working with something that's really working. I don't know. It's kind of exciting. I mean, now we're leaving to Paris and Florence to work on a handbag Who's line. We, me? Me and Catherine. I wish you were coming. Oh. If, you, if that Catherine wouldn't come, I would have had you come, but Catherine I have to share a room. Oh. Yeah, but Rob wanted her to come. Not, oh. It wasn't my choosing. Was yeah. I mean, should I be saying this? If she heard this, she would not be happy. Catherine, I want <clears> you to come. She'd be happy. No, she wouldn't. She'd get all hurt. Well, then she, whatever. She'll attack us. She'll attack <laughs> you. And then you just kind of settle her down. She'll be fine. Do you think it's important for, because I feel you're a creative person. I have doubts about myself. But do you feel it's important for creative people to maybe have 
a partner with so who, who is also creative? I think it's helpful. In what ways? Well, I think it, there's more compatibility. Because you understand that the, you got to go with the quirks? I think you got to go with the quirks, but also I think you enjoy the th same things. And I think if you're trying to stay married for 22 years, like we've been, you have to be able to go out into the world and enjoy things. And I think when you're creative, you're attracted to similar things, like how we love when we go to Europe and we love looking at art and architecture and like all these things like I see other couples I'm not going to mention any names where they don't have the same interests and I think it really weighs heavy on the person it I love the you know I don't like going places where I don't want to go and but you like to go a lot of places I like to go there's yeah. only a few places that you don't yeah. like to go that I like to go yeah that's I, but that's one of the big deals is there's so many places that we like to go together yeah so when we start our or a couples therapy radio show, I, uh, or a couples therapy radio show, that would be one of the things we push. Yeah. Is go with someone who likes to go where you like to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a friend, a very close friend, who's just in the process of getting divorced. She's very young. She's in her 20s. And this is one of the main reasons why she's getting divorced, because there's an incompatibility of what they enjoy in their free time. Like, it, he's not creative, and she's very creative. So it... And Some, someone asked me recently, like, what to do for a date. Like, where would you go for a date in, in this day and age? And um, I remember, like, we went to MoCo, and we both ended up in the Rothko room. There's, right. There's, like, eight Rothko paintings in one room. Uh -huh. There's a bench in the middle. And we just both ended up there, sitting there for, like, 40 minutes. And you can kind of talk quietly there on the bench. You take it in. The people walk by a little bit. The air conditioning is perfect. And so I said, go to the Rothko room. And, you know, if you go to the Rothko room with somebody and they're not into it, then, you know, do something else with the rest of the day. You know, you just, you just, so I think there's a, when we get our show where we're counseling people and how to find a, a mate for 22 years, that'll be it. We go to the Rothko room. How I think like that's that? a great date. You like that? Yeah. Okay. But I also like Grand Central Market. Which is right below. That's part of the whole and day. And then you take the angels flight up, yeah. and then there you are. But if you're a vegan, the Grand Central Market doesn't really work out Tom as much. goes there almost every day for lunch, and he's a vegan. Is he? Yeah, so he's found a lot of places that he I feel like a vegan, you there. really limit your ability to enjoy life. Because even just in the, the small context of the Grand Central Market, if you're like 90% of it is, is, is inaccessible to a vegan. Yeah, but I think that vegans, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about vegans, because I'm not vegan, but I think that they, th that they believe that they're doing something for the higher good of the planet, because uh, they don't believe in... Does that mean vegans don't have kids? No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they don't believe in the slaughter of animals or, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. Let me think. Are you worried in, in the book? Because I have this book coming out, and it's like it's the narrator is is it's he's writing after he's died, and so right. it's his his life carrying on without him. It's not a suicide note, is it? This this book. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. It it's, it sort of reads kind of like one, so you, you kind of want to hope that it's not. I mean, th see, this is the thing, like. In order for the joke to really play out entirely, 
I have to stay alive and then put out another book and maybe two more. You know, that's, that's part of the reason I wrote the book. Because I don't want to write a suicide note. You know, I want to <laughs> set it up for myself that I'm going to, you know, keep going to keep this joke going. But why is it a joke? Because, well, you know, what well, I mean, it's the punchline or it's the point of the book. or it's like it's I like, feel like you, the book is, has, like, really heavy material in it for being a joke. It's really heavy, but, you know, I, I meant it to be a comedy. Oh, is it, have people found it to be a comedy that people, that Some you people know laughed, yeah, yeah, you just, our friends. So it's like dark comedy. There's dark comedy. I think there's bits of it that are kind of light comedy. Oh, okay. And then there's parts of it that are not comedy at all. There's parts of it that are just really sad. Yeah. But I have this problem. Like that the, sounds like a great book. I, I, say it again. <laughs> I said that sounds like a great book. <laughs> you know, when we, when we're done, you can say it again. But this is my problem because like I have these other books like this punk rock book that I did punk allergies and I meant it to be a comedy and then people just kept telling me how sad it was I didn't find that book to be funny you didn't no punk allergies yeah no I don't think so there you didn't like snicker once or twice or smirk maybe I don't recall to be honest with you but I don't think so but I, I feel like it was very moving in a lot of ways well it could be a comedy and be moving where was the comedy? Not like Adam Sandler, you know. No, I know, but where, where, what do you perceive as the comedy? The comedy in that one? Yeah, because definitely that bathhouse is not a comedy. I mean, I don't see it as that. You didn't see the bathhouse as being kind of funny? No. Was it supposed to be? Uh, maybe not. I mean, because you have like the thing is like it's in the early it's nineteen eighty, so you have this whole death specter. You have like the bats of of uh, HIV are coming down on that whole crowd. So, you know, historically, that's looming over the end of the book. So I guess that's not that funny. But, um... Yeah, because that's really the beginning well, of I all of that somebody, stuff. Yeah, yeah, right after that. Right. It started dropping all over the Which place. Which is terrible. But I, I feel like it's, uh, the interaction, like some of the dialogue was kind of funny. Like, there's a scene out at a clinic in uh, the valley where we were going to go and try and... This one woman had a really bad cough. She could fake a really great cough. And we went out there to try and convince the clinic to give her some kind of you know cough medicine with an opiate. Right. And then uh, one of my friends, he found out that the doctor was a female, woman doctor, and he decided that he would get his prostate checked because he wanted to get fingered by this woman doctor. I felt that okay, was a so funny Okay, so things scene. like that. Okay. That was funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I guess and then the, I was thinking of something I can't remember because it's been a while since I read it. But something about Black Randy and going to get what were you guys? Some kind of drugs you guys were trying to go get, like in oh, Norwalk Angel or Dust, something. Angel Dust in Norwalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that was kind of funny. Yeah. And then when we got back, what happened and everything. There's so it's, there's some degrees of funny stories, and then there is the one where I try to sell uh, the idea of. of uh, oh yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I called up A&M Records because right. I stole an idea from this Black Randy fellow. Yeah. And uh, they, trying, they yeah. came over to discuss the idea, and I got nervous. And you I get went a lot of laughs on that one. I get a lot of laughs on that one, yeah, because yeah. I shot up Angel Dust, and I went to give my, my presentation to these A&M executives to, who had come over to my apartment, and I couldn't, uh, I, I just curled up like a fetus on the floor and gave the impression from there. See how funny that is right now? Like, I, anyone who's hearing this is obviously just... But other people might think it's extremely pathetic, honey. Oh, it is pathetic, yeah. Yeah. 
But you know. But I'm sure that the A and M Records guys. That wasn't the first time they've seen something of that nature dealing in the rock and roll business. I'm sure they've seen a lot of things. Probably, but they don't see crazy. it twice. They don't see it twice from the same person. They just they, no, they yeah. look back. Like they left the apartment and they. they Unless the person's back. really, really, really successful. I'm sure. Oh, someone who's already making the yeah, money. Yeah, who's already making them yeah, a ton yeah. of money. No, I'm sure they've dealt with a lot of shenanigans with that. I just wanted to make money from them. Yeah. Okay, so are you worried about this new book? Are you like because because there's gonna a, be there's gonna be a wife in it? You I know? feel like somebody asked me that. I'm at, I don't. I'm trying not to think about it to be honest with you, but I don't think I'm worried. But I don't know. Maybe there's something in there that would offend me. I have no idea. But you're not. But I'm not easily offend. I'm. I can be very sensitive, but I'm not easily offended. I mean, a lot of people used to ask me when I first started dating you, how can you date someone who works at Hustler Magazine? <laughs> and I feel that a lot of women would be, I don't know if it's threatened or, I don't, it would make them very uncomfortable. For some reason, I don't know why, it didn't make me uncomfortable. You know, I and know it's why. not a world I'm com I, I'm around. I'm not, you know, someone who was around the por pornographic world or whatever. So it's, I was raised very Catholic, although I don't know, you know, I'm not so Catholic. Your behavior was sort of the opposite, bit. but that happens a lot when yeah. girls are raised Catholic. You hear the yeah. stories, they go opposite. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't know why it never made me uncomfortable. I always wondered about that. I know why. Why? Because I have the soul of an angel. <laughs> <laughs> Should we stop there? You think? Yeah, you, that's you, good. Can you top that? No, I don't think I can top that. One. Well, happy anniversary! It's been a wonderful 22 years. I can't believe it. Kind of crazy. You're still amazing. You're beautiful. Very, very funny. Thank anyway, you, honey. I don't know if anyone else thinks so, but you know, we're we're kind of uh, spitting with each other. Oh, it's true. So. Bye. People do see it, by the way. They've mentioned it to me. I bet. I bet they have. Okay, that's enough sap for one Skeevland. This edition of Skeevland is presented with encouragement and assistance from Rare Bird Books. Thanks again to Tyson Cornell and Julie Callahan and Jessica S. If you want to know more about the Skeev or Alan McDonnell or Rare Bird Books, go to theskeev.com and rarebirdbooks.com. Skeevland. It's not the worst place you could be.